0: It's time for Girls in Golf Podcast with your favorite hosts, Lex and Sarah. Ladies, when you're ready. Welcome to Girls in Golf. I'm Lex joined by Sarah and I'm really excited because one of our first ever guests is here with us. She now graces your TVs across multiple sports on CBS and CBS Sports and our Callaway channels. And when she's not out on television, she's petting all of the dogs. She's on the golf course, <laughs> exercising and teaching us all how to meal prep for cross country flights. It's Amanda Balionis. <laughs> that could be
1: the hey, best Amanda. intro anyone's ever given me, Lex. So thank well, you for that.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like I really owed it to you because when we 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 had our live podcast a few months ago. I kind of flubbed and I mentioned your yoga certification and I was like, where is my prep? And I remember texting you and you were like, just write it down. And so I was like, I'm going to write her a great intro. So I'm glad you liked it. (laughs)
1: Thank you. I did. I loved it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's really good to see your face. Um, We were excited to hear about your time at the Begin Again Foundation fundraiser with the Leishmans, who are two of our favorite people out on the PGA Tour. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about what the fundraiser was for, obviously for Audrey's foundation, but for those that don't know and how you got involved.
1: Yeah. So this is actually the fifth year of the Begin Again Foundation tournament. I've been there every year. I've been lucky enough to be there every year. And for those that don't know Audrey's story, and it's funny because it was such a big deal when it happened. But so much has happened in the last five years that I, I do think a lot of people um, kind of forget. And Audrey, I believe it was back in 2015, um, started to feel really sick, but didn't know what it was. Mark was on the road playing uh, in a golf tournament and she called him and said, I don't feel good. If I, if I don't feel better by tomorrow, I'm going to go to the doctor. And one of her friends, thankfully, was with her. She had two Young children, um, at the time, Harvey and Ollie. She now has Eva too. Um, but her friend came over because she wasn't feeling good, and her friend finally said to her, "Listen, we're going to the hospital. Like, I don't know what's happening here, but it's it's not good." Went to the hospital. Turned out that she had sepsis, which is um, it, I had never really heard of it before. I'd only ever associated it with like toxic shock syndrome, right? Like leaving your mm-hmm. tampon in too long. I think all of our moms, as females. Uh, Uh told us you can't do stories Yeah, because you can, and that's very real, but that is not the only way that you can get sepsis, but it's an infection where pretty much your body just turns on itself. Um, And so many people, not only worldwide, but specifically in our country are affected by it every year. And if they don't lose their life, which oftentimes it is fatal because people don't catch it in time because it moves so fast um you know it's amputations it's being in the hospital for for months on end sometimes and um it's a it's a very real thing that needs to be brought to the forefront so uh once audrey she was actually put into a medically induced coma and there were there was a very small probability that she pulled through and i remember mark giving interviews at the time and basically thinking through the process of like am i gonna have to leave golf and raise two young boys as a single father like it was it was that real um in in that moment thankfully she pulled through and she is the strongest woman i have ever met Um, and you know she's using that really traumatic moment in their lives to to bring awareness and to help families that are going through the same thing who don't have the means that the leishman's had Um, because it is it's a really expensive thing to you know, you're, you're with your loved one in the hospital and now you have to pay bills, but you can't go to work and your loved one hasn't been working and then you have the hospital bills. So they actually take care of those bills. They make sure that the people who are going through it and battling through it um, don't have to worry about anything except just getting healthy again or getting their family member healthy again. And again, the other part of it that's really important to Audrey and Mark is the awareness. So understanding what the symptoms are. She actually told a great story um, where this, this past year where her, I think it was a a woman was volunteering or came to the Begin Again Foundation gala. She went home, she told her daughter about it. Her daughter was in college. Her daughter's roommate in college started to show symptoms and she brought her immediately to the hospital and it saved her life. She had sepsis. So, I mean, you think about that, just, just in that gala, we already know of one life that was saved because of it. And there are so many more. Um, so that's why it's such an important thing. The least I can do every year is just show up for them. because um, They're doing such amazing things, but for them to do it in a year like this during a pandemic, for them to pull this off was absolutely incredible, but I would not expect anything less from them because they just continuously show how amazing and resilient they are.
2: So you've said you've been to every single one of these events. How has the function grown and changed over time?
1: I, you know, I think it's just become bigger and more streamlined, uh, which is amazing. I Listen, I put on my first charity event last year um, with Puppies and Golf, and it is hard doing it for the very first time because you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, I think Audrey knew why she was doing it, obviously, right? Like they knew they had the passion to do it. Now, all of a sudden, it's putting that into action and there's just so many moving parts when they put on an event the night before there's live performers that you were really counting on. you have to get people to buy the tickets, just get them in the door for that first year. And then obviously there's the golf part for them too, um, where you're counting on PGA tour players and LPGA tour players who commit to then show up. And inevitably something always happens. Someone drops out. You're scrambling for someone because people have already paid um, you know, to play with certain people and with this expectation. There's there's just so many moving parts when it comes to a charity event. Uh, so I think, you know, for me, what I've seen from them is every year, to me, I think the most impressive thing is that they've stayed true to themselves. They try to do it at the lowest possible cost so that they can maximize um, the highest possible donation to the foundation itself um, and to make sure as many people are taken care of as possible. But um, I just think the community around it the more people have the awareness, the more people want to show up for them and in bigger and better ways. So um, I think that's that's really what I've seen that's impressed me the most over the years. And I mean, this year specifically, listen, things are times are tough for everybody right now. Um, and for people to still be donating and still be um, willing to give of themselves in a time where kind of everybody's drained financially, emotionally, <laughs> physically, uh, that to me just spoke volumes about what they've been able to accomplish over these last five years.
0: Yeah. If you look at the social handle, I believe it's just begin again foundation. You can mm-hmm. see all of the prizes that were given away. Callaway is definitely proud to be a sponsor for that. We gave away some wedges, some really cool major head covers from the U S open. Um, but there was a signed glove from Rory McIlroy, I believe, and just all these like really cool things. Um, so it's great that they were able to bring it together in such uh, you know like such a weird time and they had a really unique thing which i was going to ask you what your favorite part about it was but i hope it was this that you could get a leishman lager with your face on it <laughs>
1: how, how cool, cool was that <laughs> oh my gosh it was so funny you think you've seen it all um at these things like there 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 are trends absolutely come in and out at these charity golf events and You know, I remember a couple of years ago, it was this magician that came out every, like almost at every event. And then there was a guy that made like these insane pancakes that looked like the players and the people. But this was my personal favorite. It was a machine. They would take a picture of you and then they would send it into the machine and then the machine would do some sort of magic trick and it would be screened onto the foam of your beer. And I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I need one personally in my home. So they did not auction that off. I was hoping they were going to. I'm going to have to find out where they got it, though. Because I think we need one of those at the Callaway office. Don't you uh, think?
0: For sure. It can go on all of the cold brew that the marketing team has when we're working late hours. I'm in. Exactly.
1: It can be used <laughs> on so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's you never know what... Ingenuity people are going to come up with to try to make themselves stand out from the pack because you know at, at different holes there's going to be different food stations different swag stations it's really fun and that's the way that local businesses show up um, you know for these events and it's great but that one I definitely I definitely think uh, has the clubhouse lead so far on these on these golf tournaments.
2: <laughs> so in your opinion, what's the biggest mis- misconception for people when they play in a celebrity scramble?
1: Um, I will say I will speak from someone who has somehow fallen into that now, like celebrity, like part of it. And the it took me a long time to actually say yes to playing in tournaments like this, because I'm like, I am not a good golfer. Um, you know, I shoot in the 90s. Um, I, people are going to want to win and I'm not going to be part of the winning team. Right. Think about it. I'm being drafted alongside of like the Mark Leishman, the Cam Smiths, the Joel Damons, the guys that were showing up, um, you know, at Mark's tournament, just for instance. And when I don't, I I wasn't a PGA tour player. I'm not an LPGA tour player. I didn't think anyone would want to play with me. And what I've learned is just to kind of embrace the game the same way I tell people, just the way they embrace it with their friends is I realized actually it was Ian Baker Finch, who was also one of our friends of Callaway he pulled me aside my first year at CBS. And he said, why are you saying no to these things? And I said, I'm, I'm intimidated. You know, I'm not good enough. And he said, people are not going to be picking you because they're expecting you to go shoot in the sixties. They're picking you because they want to hear your stories. They want to know what it's like to have the job that you have and they want to have fun. And I was like, Oh, well, I, I can do that. So my first tournament that I played in, it was funny. I, I showed up on the first tee and they're like, so where'd you play the college golf at? And I was like, oh no, no, this is like oh, my worst fears are actually happening. I played volleyball in college. Like I am not a good golfer, but I said to them, I'm like, listen, I promise we're probably not going to win, but I promise we're going to have the most fun. And the minute I set that standard on the first tee, it was like all of those expectations, probably that I was just putting on myself went away. And I think honestly, the, the group that I played with, they were more relaxed because they, they weren't trying to impress me with their drives or their short game. We all just became buddies playing a round of golf for a great cause. And I actually talked to um, one of the guys that I played with this this past uh, Begin Again Foundation. I was talking to his wife and I said, you know, are you going to tee it up with us tomorrow? And she said, oh no, I'm not good enough to play in these. And I was like, girlfriend, if I'm good enough, you are good enough. The expectation is not that you score well. The expectation is that you go out there and you have fun. Um, And I felt like it was important to say that in front of her husband and his buddies, because I'm sure that that's starting from this like kind of false narrative that really men are, are typically the only ones that are playing in these, um, you know, as the, as the purchase groups. And they do think that there's this level of expectation to be, a good player or to be someone that goes out and plays 18 holes every week. And that, that just simply isn't the case. So I think for me, um, I would love to see more women um, playing in these that who cares if you're a good golfer or not, just go out there and have fun and know that all of that time spent and donated money is, is going to a great cause.
0: Yeah. It's all for charity anyways, right? Like you're just right. paying for, you're paying for that. You're not paying to go out and win the prizes. Like that's just a bonus. Right. Um, plus, exactly. This time you had our brand new big Bertha Reva driver in your bag and Callaway really is putting this new focus on engineering clubs that are specifically for women. Um, so how did it feel? Did you like the color? Tell
1: us what you think. Cause Sarah and I were pretty close to this driver. Yeah, I, I loved it. And I will tell you the first thing I loved is that when you look at it, it doesn't look like what a typical, this is targeted towards women, excuse me, club looks like. And that's always big for me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to pull out a club and have guys that I'm playing with, look at it and be like, huh, what's that? Like, I want them to just be like, Oh, what's that club? And like, actually one of the guys in my group was like asking me about it. And I was like, that's, that's what you're going for, right? Like, it just should be a club that's going to benefit women the same way clubs are built to benefit men. And it, it shouldn't look any cornier or different or like female feeling, whatever some man thinks that means. And then he does that. Um, so I, I thought that was the biggest thing is it just looks like a badass club. And then it, the way it actually looks when, I, when it was set down in front of me, I loved the way that it looked and it felt. Um, and again, just when I swung it, I mean, I outdrove drove the guys in my group a couple of times. I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> so it, it definitely, it worked really well. Um, yeah. I just think it, it was built. It's built in a way that's actually built for the women's game. It's not just this, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to say this, but it's not just like this. They're not doing it just for like the the, pr- the look of it you know what I mean yeah. they're not doing mm-hmm. it what's the word I'm looking for someone help me the aesthetic It's not just for the optics yes yeah. it's not just for the optics of saying we're doing this for women look how great we are like it actually mm-hmm. has the science built behind it and the right look I think um for for any woman to pick it up off the shelf and say let me give this a shot because it looks like a real gamer and it is a real gamer
2: well, I, I totally you, agree. Oh, sorry. Lex.
0: Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if people who are listening would like to go get one, you can go to CaliGolf.com. Go oh, ahead, yeah. Sarah.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, I totally agree with you. There's, there seems to be this misconception of um, what it means to be a club for women. Um, it's always been decided to be like kind of more like pastel and girly and almost like dumbed down. And yes. before we even created this club, we actually did the research of what it means for women. And we asked women, like, what do women want? And that's how we developed that club of women don't want, you know, didn't want the pastel colors. They didn't want the traditional pink. They wanted a beautiful dark blue. And they wanted the same high-quality technologies that we have in all of our other club lines. So if that's truly what it means to be for women, then let's do that.
1: And and correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, I do, I think a lot of times, too, in the past, um, and we've gotten caught up, not just us, the, the golf industry has gotten caught up in saying uh, these clubs are built for women. Cause they're super game improvement. And mm-hmm. you're like, well, not every woman needs a super game improvement club. Like why don't you just make a great club targeted towards women? You know what I mean? Like,
2: yeah. And if it's, if it's
0: game improvement, it. great. And if it's right. not, then, you know, if it's not, yeah. then
2: we have other options too. Like there we have right. the Maverick max and, Uh, the whole Maverick line for women, we have Big Bertha, Reva, we have so many choices, you know, we can't just group women in all one, one big bunch, one big group. So it's nice to have, you know, different areas for different types of players. And that's what we're trying to do for women.
1: Yeah, I think you guys knocked it out of the park. And I will say my mom (laughs) got it. And she called me and she's like, this club is so beautiful. And I wasn't supposed to play this week. And I called all my friends and made an emergency tea time for tomorrow. So I'll keep you posted because I think she's playing right now, actually. (laughs) I love
0: it. I can't wait to hear what Mama Balionis says about it. Um, So you obviously don't make a living playing charity golf tournaments. You are on television (laughs) Um, and you're with the tour players almost every weekend of the year what has been the biggest challenge with this new normal? You know, you're getting COVID tests, you weren't traveling for an extended period of time and now you're doing interviews six feet apart. There's so much
1: newness happening. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. It's just newness. I I will say, I think for me um, personally, the biggest challenge was once we got that going on golf um, it was three straight months of, we did 11 straight weeks of golf. And I was. We were all so grateful to be back working um, because there was a long time where where I thought there was a strong possibility I didn't work for the rest of the year, Um, and there are a lot of people still in that camp. Um, So I think that was the first hurdle to get over, and then you get over that hurdle, and you're like, okay, I'm going to be working, and it's going to be keep your head down and just grind forward for 11 weeks, but the things that I didn't realize that I relied so heavily on to kind of keep my mental health going is... Was a lot of connection, right? It was going out to dinner maybe once a week, um, you know, with either my coworkers or with friends or whomever you know happens to be in that area that I that I usually see. Or it's going to the gym um, in the hotel, or it's you know being able to run into a mall and pick something up. Whatever it is, like I had some sort of human contact, um, and that just wasn't the responsible thing to do on the road for those 11 weeks. So it, it did become pretty isolating. And that was, I think for me, the the biggest hurdle to get over, but it was interesting because that's the same hurdle that I think we were all dealing with when we were at home. Anyways, it just felt different because the expectation was, well, this isn't what it usually looks like and feels like. So it just, you know, I had to get, I almost had to get comfortable with getting uncomfortable all over again. Right. You like, I figured out a way to be mentally um, give myself what I needed when I was at home in quarantine for three months. And then all of a sudden I had to like figure it out all over again on the road, which was like an interesting thing. But I will say like the players were so grateful to be out there. Um, I had so many great talks with players off camera, just about the new perspective that we all had. And I, I think, I say it all the time. I know I have the best job in the world, right? And these golfers, they know they have the best job in the world, but it's really easy to get lost in the noise and complain about, you know, just like the mundane things that can kind of get to you. And I think all of a sudden we all realize we have no room to complain, period. Like what we get to do is better than 99% of everybody else. And we just kind of need to suck it up and, and move on. So to me, I love the new perspective that the players were sharing. And I think we tried to get that across in a lot of the interviews. And I I think we had some really important moments through that and their, their willingness to be vulnerable and open up about their personal lives and how it has affected them on the golf course. And then, you know, in terms of football, like the golf interviews are, weren't a huge challenge because um, it's a kind of a quiet area, right? And then there were no fans. So we were six feet apart, but it wasn't hard to hear one another. It wasn't difficult to kind of stage it so that we, we could give the viewer, you know, what they were, what they were hoping to see. Um, football's a little bit different, right? I just did my first college game on Friday and there were, I think, 6,000 fans in the stands. Like it wasn't a whole lot. Um, but it was still hard for him to hear, for, for the coaches to hear me going on and off during halftime with the band playing and we're so close with them, you know, so near the tunnel and we have to be so far away. Plus we have masks on, so you can't read someone's lips and you're like, oh my gosh, I could see where this would be a nightmare. And you've seen some YouTube clips where they're, they're trying to talk to the coaches and they have to repeat themselves five or six times. And usually you're trying to get in and out really fast, especially during those halftime interviews um so you know there's there's just different challenges but to me it's almost like you have to look at it like a game and how can you figure it out and how do we all brainstorm because we're all in this together and I think every single fan at home realizes that's a challenge too they're not looking at it as a fail anymore if something doesn't happen I think they're just like oh that's weird that that has to happen (laughs) because of COVID like it's almost entertaining you know well, we saw
0: it um, at uh, in the NBA bubble even, right, mm. with um, at the end of the, the Lakers series um, just last week. You know, Le- LeBron's doing his interview, and you can't read lips, and they're pumping in crowd noise.
2: <laughs> what and are you going to do? do?
0: <laughs> yeah, it just, you know, like, luckily, players, athletes go through media training. They know generally what they're looking for. But it does, I know, I hope that we don't miss out on those vulnerable moments in other sports. You know, luckily in golf, you're not, hopefully not going to. But speaking of wearing a mask while you do interviews, I know you've gotten some criticism on social for whether you wear it or not at the smart cart. How do you make that decision?
1: I could do literally nothing right during golf season in terms of the mask wearing. And at some point I just, I really just had to laugh it off because I'm like, you know what? I think there was one point I actually screen grabbed. It was back-to-back tweets to me and one was telling me what an idiot I was for not having my mask on and the other one was telling me what an idiot I was for having my mask on. And I was like, that is literally our country now in a nutshell and what am I going to do, you know? So I I think what we kind of came to terms with, now listen, we were the first ones really to be back live in sport so we it was a much more I think polarizing time in terms of the mask. I do think things have evened out a lot more I haven't seen the backlash and I think people are understanding more okay you're outside no one's around you it makes sense that you don't have your mask physically on even if we can't see it we're not going to flip out um, but you know when we first started this was all very new to everybody still so I, I do think there was kind of that panic of like well, why are you doing that when I'm being told to do this? And just trying to understand, you know what I mean? I, I think it was more out of fear and not understanding than it was about, and probably some trolling because it's still social media and it's still 2020. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it was more so just, okay, what do we do to to set the best example? And what do we do to be responsible, but also to still bring the viewer what, what they're tuning in to hear and see. Um, and how do we kind of, how do how do we make sure the player feels safe and how do we make sure my, my crew feels safe, right? Like what does all of that look like? Um, and then we kind of just decided, okay, I'm more than six feet away from those players during golf. I have my mask in my pocket. The minute he walks away and I go sit back down closer to my crew, I put the mask back on and and we move on. And, and that kind of seemed to make, that made us feel comfortable. And I, I think it kind of came back to again what what happens in work often happens in real life. I just had to do what was true to me and know that I was doing the best I could and I was being as responsible as I as I could be. And as long as my bosses were happy and I felt good and and the people I work around felt good, that was all that could matter. And I just had to ignore or laugh off um everything else that was happening on mm-hmm. Twitter. <laughs>
2: I, I, I follow you on Twitter and I love your Twitter because you're always so positive and you share some really amazing things and social media can be brutal. Like there's, there's a lot of great people, but then there's also a lot of trolls. So just in general, like being so um, open with everybody, how do you handle, you know, not only the great comments, but also like, unfortunately, a lot of the ne- negativity, whatever it's about, how do you kind of make sure that does not affect your mental health while you're doing everything that you do?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I had, I would usually have told you before the whole quarantine thing that I had did a really good job of balancing that. And then the more isolated I got, um, especially in my hotel rooms over those three months, I would say the worse I got at that to the point where, thank goodness, my boyfriend is like the mentally, he's the toughest guy on the planet. He played quarterback in college. He played in the NFL where he had to like fight and fight and get cut and cut. Like he's been through it all. Right. So like anything I like show him, he's like, oh, I've seen way worse than that. Like, you don't have to worry about that. But like, he literally put me on a pitch count. He was like, you get to respond to eight people. You choose what those responses are if they're positive or if they're to negative people. He goes, and then we're literally putting your phone down for the rest of the night. And I was like, okay, thank you for bringing me back down to reality here because I was getting caught for hours. Like, scrolling through every single mention and every single negative thing and me wanting to fight back. Um, you know, and you're like, why do I, why do I feel the need? I can't make everyone happy. I know that on a rational level. Um, but I do think sometimes you can get lost in this social media bubble where you forget that it's not reality. Um, so I have had to kind of retrain myself and just say, okay, what are the things that are really triggering me or like, Hey, does this, really mean response help me shed a light on what's actually happening. And can I reframe it in a way it's going to make people laugh or like, you know, spin it in a more positive way. And some, you know, sometimes I can find like a funny way to, to re it or whatever. And it, and it works out great. And then other times I just have to, I just discovered the mute button and I should have discovered that a lot, a lot sooner. Cause it just sends them into this abyss of nothingness. <laughs> like they think I'm seeing all these angry tweets, And they don't exist on my timeline anymore. So I have started to use that button a lot more. Um, But I I do, I think I am who I am, right? So I'm just going to say my truth and I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. And I know I'm doing my best. And if people want to be hateful, 99% of the time it says more about them than it does about me. And if you guys see me answering more than eight negative tweets, now you know to text me and say your pitch count, you're over your pitch count put, go back on the bench, put down your phone. (laughs) We're
0: on it. Just the the amount of puppies that our friend had. That's how many you get one per puppy.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That is a great way of framing that for me. I knew that that would resonate with you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Speaking of
2: puppies, do you have any updates for us on uh, your puppies in golf? We have
1: actually two exciting updates. Um, so one, we had done. My gosh, it's so crazy now. But in January, when I hosted that charity event, one of the things that we were raising money towards was for journals to send to the veterans that are staying in the Canines for Warriors headquarters and learning to train with their with their service animals for the first time, and they stay in that facility for three weeks at a time, um, and a lot of times. For those veterans, sometimes it can be the first time they've actually left their own home in over a year because their PTSD is, you know, is something that they're really battling or there's just a lot of anxiety and it's kind of their first re-entrance back to kind of trying to live a normal life. And um, when I was going through my really tough times, I've, you know, kind of been open about when my dad died and, and what I went through, one of the things that really helped me through that dark time and still helps me today is journaling. And I started to do all this research um, on why, like, why was everyone telling me to journal? I didn't get it. I thought it was stupid. Um, and I started to research it. And I found this happiness researcher um, called Sean Aker. And it, Happiness Advantages is his book. But I would advise you listen to the TED Talk first and then go download his book because the book is very sciencey. Like, it's very, it's a researcher book. I thought it was going to be like a Brene Brown like, Oh, I'm learning so much, but also giggling the whole time. It's very, it's like very in depth. Um, But it it, uh, it explained the science behind journaling and how it can literally rewire your brain to be more positive. When you journal a quick three things every day that you're grateful for, even if it's something as small as like, I'm grateful for coffee. And that's pretty much all I can think of right now. That's okay. Put it down on the page and it's going to start your day off on a more positive note. And when I started to see how much it helped me, one of the first things I thought about was, man, if this can help me, this has to be able to help people that are going through PTSD and depression and anxiety and, and all of these things, even though it's obviously coming from a different place than what where my where, where my space was coming from. So I reached out to Canines for Warriors and said, would you guys be open to me raising money to donate journals? And they said, absolutely. I found a journal company, Grateful Peoples, um, who are awesome at all of their Journals are made from recyclable paper, so they're socially responsible, environmentally responsible, um, and their entire goal is to try to make the you know our our place a more positive place to live. So I felt like they were a good fit. Um, but then COVID hit right before we were supposed to donate the journals, but they finally just got the journals, three hundred of them. So that should take them actually through this next almost year um, of their veteran. Uh, groups and classes, which is really exciting. And then our friend Jen Turk, who works for Callaway Golf now, and she's one of our digital strategists, um, she and her boyfriend, Nate, just, um, they bred their dog, Blanche, who's a golden doodle, golden girls, Blanche, you get it. They're hilarious. Uh, but with the goal of donating one of those dogs to Canines for Warriors, because 99% of the dogs for Canines for Warriors are actually saved from shelters, but there are those veterans, of course, that have allergies and need a hypoallergenic dog. So, for someone to donate a dog um, is that takes a lot. It's a lot of money. Like you can make a lot of money on selling those dogs, but adopt, don't shop. Just try to not use a breeder when you can. Uh, but they're gonna, you know, they're they're saying, hey, listen, we're doing this for a better cause. So I am actually going to be flying um, the dog that they're donating to Canines for Warriors uh, later this month from San Diego to Jacksonville. He'll be dropped off. He's going to be the tiniest, cutest little service dog in training you've ever seen. And don't worry, we're going to make sure it's everywhere on social media because the world needs more puppies.
0: I can't wait to see it. Those dogs are the cutest little fluff balls ever. And Jen said that they're teething, but you know what? That time will pass and they are still going
1: to be cute. (laughs) I I literally let them gnaw on like my fingers, on my shoes. Jen's like, please don't do that. I'm like, they're just so cute. And I have have to give them away at some point. So what do I care if they have that happen?
0: (laughs) One that's going to training, (laughs) yeah. Not blue collar. Blue collar, (laughs) we're very strict with. (laughs) Um, Well, two more things before we let you go. I wanted to ask how you feel about having a masters tournament in the middle of your football schedule
1: in the fall. That's very exciting for a lot of us. It's awesome, right? Like, I think that's something you have to have that perspective of. Does it suck that our country is going through this pandemic? Absolutely. Um, But what silver linings can we take and This is going to be hopefully a once in a lifetime thing, right? Viewers at home are going to get to see Augusta national in conditions like we have literally never seen before. We're going to get to cover it um, in a way that it's never been covered before. And then by the way, we're going to send you off on Saturday after an amazing third round and send it right into sec football. Like, could there be my favorite day used to be of the year, Um, the phoenix open that rolls right into super bowl sunday now i think it might be the best sports day of the year going from saturday of the masters moving day at the masters to sec football game of the week like that is just going to be the coolest thing so if you are watching this right now block off that entire weekend because you're busy like (laughs) sitting on your couch the whole time there's nowhere else um, anyone should be So, you know, I think it's, I think you just got to look at it and be like, you know what? This is cool. This will probably, hopefully, never happen again, at least for these reasons. And um, let's have fun with it. And let's bring people at home something that they're they're always going to remember.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. You know, everyone's obviously sad there's not going to be patrons there. But the images that are going to come out of that, I think, are going to be something really special.
1: Absolutely. And listen, if there's anywhere that, like... I will say players have told me, they think on Sunday, if you're in contention, they're going to be missing those roars, right? Those roars let you know so quickly what's happening in front and behind you that that is going to be, that's going to be an interesting part to see how guys can figure out who was where on the leaderboard. If it's, if it's tight going down the stretch. But again, that's just another fun new element that these guys are going to have to think creatively with um and and figure it out well we're
0: really excited to watch and you know you travel a lot this I mentioned it at the top of the podcast I'm really interested to hear about your meal prep that you do on the road I know you're very (laughs) proud of it you and Kira go back and forth when she does her travel for the USGA and all of her projects just give us like one tip for when you're traveling on the road
1: my one tip well I have two tips one if you're on a long flight Don't be scared to pack your own food. Like I pack my own overnight oats, berries, vegetables, because eating the plain food once it is available again, does nothing good for you. You're going to feel like crap when you land. So don't be scared to bring your own food through TSA. They're not, I, I think a lot of people think they're more strict than they are. It just can't be like milk for cereal, right? Just bring something that doesn't need to be in liquid form. um, But bring your own food, highly recommend. And then I use um, Whole Foods, they should start sponsoring me, Amazon, uh, Whole Foods delivery. When I'm on the road, you can get your entire grocery list done. And they'll, they'll deliver it in a two hour window right to your hotel room door, call down to your hotel, say, hey, I need a refrigerator put in my room. And you can get everything you need right there. And if you have a Keurig, you can use that to make oatmeal, you can use that To make whatever you need for like hot water, even if it's like mac and cheese, whatever it is, like those instant things, um, it's really easy to do a makeshift kitchen and eat your own food so you don't feel terrible all week. And those are my tips. Thank you for visiting my TED Talk.
0: (laughs) There you go. You can check out our Instagram for much more. Um, Let me run through a list of things because I feel like there are some things for people to follow and go find before we end this podcast. Um, if you want to know more about the Begin Again Foundation that the Leashman started, you can go to Instagram, find it at Begin Again Foundation. I believe they have a website, most likely BeginAgainFoundation.com, but I'm not 100% sure. So don't yeah, quote me. Do. Go to Instagram. <laughs> go to Instagram to find that. If you want to know more about our Big Bertha Reva Clubs, go to CallawayGolf.com. If you want to watch Amanda, make sure you have cable or... You go to Cbsports.com and you sign up for CBS All Access. Thanks, yes. CBS. I've been a <laughs> subscriber for forever. Um, you can awesome. follow Amanda on social media. She's got two different handles, one for Twitter, one for Instagram. And I'll let her tell you what they are.
1: Yeah, for Instagram, it's just my last name, Balionis. And for Twitter, it's Amanda underscore Balionis.
0: And get ready to see that little puppy um, go to Canines for Warriors pretty soon. We're really excited about it. And hopefully, if you have more questions, because we could sit here and talk to Amanda forever. But if you have more <laughs> questions for her, we're going to set her up on the Callaway community to do a Q&A sometime in the near future when her schedule allows.
1: So Maybe on to- like a really long flight. I there can do that, right? Yeah, yeah, just you totally get internet and just do that live QA. Okay, that's yeah, we're going to do that. Okay, we'll talk
0: to Jen, perfect. we'll get it set up. So go to community.callowaygolf.com, sign up. You will get to ask questions to people like Amanda, our Callaway coaches, and staffers. And there are giveaways, people. We do staff bags, we do head covers, all kinds of really cool stuff. Um, Amanda, we have taken enough of your time. Thank you for joining us. It is a pleasure oh, to see you. you. Um, and we will see you next week on girls and golf to celebrate a very
1: special birthday. Ooh, thank you so much guys.